It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun, and I'll be here entertaining you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Yeah, I'm fired up this afternoon coming off a major weekend in Mamaroneck, New York at Wingfoot Golf Club. Congrats to the big hitting, long launching, ball bashing Bryson DeChambeau for his U.S. Open victory. I can only imagine what that victory dinner was like. Well, in fact, he was the only player to finish under par last weekend. And when executive director of the USGA, Mike Davis, saw Bryson's victory, well, he retired this past Tuesday. So, Wade, you must be fired up as well this week with this uh, song choice. It's a rock anthem for a rock star guest. The Pro Show. Oh, it's on. What an afternoon for a great show starring a fantastic guest. This guy is an award-winning coach, author, and inspiration. His name is Rick Sessinghouse, and he's the PGA professional who helped lead Colin Marikawa to his first major victory last month. Rick, I know you're on the line. Welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for the intro. A little Guns N' Roses to kick it off. Love it. Well, I just wanted to make sure you were awake. That's all. I'll play a little rock <laughs> anthem for you. You betcha. All awesome. Right. I, you know, I'm, I'm dying to get into this. When I found out we were going to get to chat, you know, I've been following what you do out there, out there on the left coast and what you've been doing with Colin for such a long time. And I've always kind of wondered this. And, you know, I don't get to talk to too many coaches of major winners. So it's Sunday afternoon. It's August 9th. Where are you watching Colin from? 20 yards away from him. I was very fortunate to walk the entire final round of the PGA championship on the golf course. So I was there every step of the way, saw every shot from the great vantage point. Cause there was no gallery and it was just the thrill of a lifetime. Okay. So take me to the 16th tee box or maybe those last four or five holes, you know, as much as you're a swing coach, you are a mental and performance coach. And we'll get into that certainly throughout the course of today, but how do yeah. you keep your emotions and everything in check? And you know, <laughs> when he, like when he hits that drive on 16 to seven feet to putt for Eagle, what are you thinking as the coach at that moment? Well, I will admit I did not keep my emotions intact. Um, on 14, he hit an uncharacteristically poor iron shot that was front right, uh, and he had a pitch shot that ended up going in. And I have a video of me, you know, of, in that moment and screaming and yelling. And you know, I asked Colin later, "Did you ever, did you hear me yelling and screaming?" He said, "No, I had no idea." So uh, I was not controlling my emotions, Keith. I was I was going bonkers out there. And so on 16, I was on the green when he hit the tee shot and. I, from my vantage point, I couldn't tell if it was 30 feet or 7 feet. Uh, but I was, of course, just like, okay, this is awesome because, you know, it's such a tight leaderboard. And, you know, and, and so then when he made the, the birdie, again, I screamed and yelled and high-fived his agent and his girlfriend. And, and we were just go, going hyper. Uh, so uh, it, was, it was very, very special. I tell you, I, I, I'm glad that you said that because I think if I was in your shoes at that moment, I would have been going nuts as well. I, I, I don't know how <laughs> anyone could have, you know, when Colin's on his way to shooting a Sunday 64 and his first ever major championship at the age of 23, 
I, I mean, I don't know how anyone could keep their emotions in check. I mean, I, I have all the respect for you in the world as a coach, but I, I'm so happy that you said that you were excited. So, okay, so fast forward, he's done. He accepts the trophy. You, the lid falls off. They put it back on. And then, and then you guys, after it's all over, how do you celebrate with Colin, just, you know, teacher and student? You know, it was it was perfect for the moment because it was actually very low key. Um, you know, with COVID and everything like that, um, there wasn't friends and family and stuff. It was it was me and him, his caddy JJ, his a- agent Andrew, his girlfriend Cat, uh, representative from Omega Watches there, and and the PGA was nice enough to to get us some dinner at the clubhouse there, and it was just a very kind of just a kickback hour or so and a little bit of reminiscing a little bit about what just would happen a little, and it was just very low-key um i'm sure later on in this year and hopefully with some of these covert restrictions that we'll we'll have a a real celebration but it was just nice uh, he had tons of media afterwards uh, just to kind of come down and and just share that in, in kind of an intimate uh, uh way was, was very special i bet that was quite a moment and you know what Colin's a great story, and we'll get back to him in a second. But I'm, at first, I'm a little bit more interested in your story, because I, I think the best way to understand his immediate impact on the PGA Tour is to learn a little bit more about your career story. So how did you get into golf? You're a PGA professional, but you're also a performance mm-hmm. coach, right? You know, h- yeah. how did you get so involved in this game? Sure. I, I played a ton of other sports as a kid, uh, baseball, basketball, football, tennis. I played a little bit of football in high school, but I became obsessed with golf when I was like 16. And I just, you know, I, I just, it was just a sport that I thought could be easily mastered. And of course, I'm still to this day, not even close to mastering it. Um, but it was, it was just clicked for me. And so I was a very, very average junior golfer. I ended up walking on at Cal State Northridge, which is a Division One program here in the Los Angeles area, uh, average D1 player. But I was just obsessed with learning and everything about the golf swing and all the players. And so I had just had a true love and passion for the game. Um, you know, tried professionally, but really, you know, I was nowhere near the, the ability I needed to be. But then, yeah, I became a member of the PGA started teaching golf and just wanted to be around people who also love the game. And that's kind of how I got started um, going down that road with coaching. So as a PGA professional, you and I are both, all right? We share that together. And our association was built on the mentor-apprentice relationship. So along the way, is there somebody in particular that helped kind of shape who Rick Sessinghouse is today? Or, you know, are there a couple of people? I mean, who would you like to thank for kind of putting you in somewhat of the position that you are now with the ability to, to go forward from there? Sure. You know, I was very fortunate that when I turned 16 years old, um, a gentleman by the name of Tom Barber, whose father was Jerry Barber, a PGA champion um, back in 61, I believe, or 59. And I worked at Griffith Park Golf Course here in, in Los Angeles area when I was 16 to 23. So I got to be around PGA professionals at a very busy location. I uh, got the ins and out of the business there. And then when I got into teaching, a gentleman by the name of Ted Elisario was very influential. Uh, he now works for National Golf Foundation. Um, and, and we had this just this passion for teaching, and we would share ideas and go to seminars together. And I just really uh, you know, enjoyed having that bond with him. We worked at the same golf course, and it was just great to, to have that friendship that also helped in, in my business. 
Well, there's no doubt it's helped in your business. And folks, if you're just joining us, we're on the line with Rick Sessinghouse. He's a PGA professional, a performance coach, an author, and he is also the coach of Colin Morikawa, the PGA champion from this past August. Now, there had to be a pivot moment at some point because you start out as an instructor, you love to play, you want to compete, but you're also teaching, right? And, and I'm going to quote you for a yeah. second here. And you said, at one point you said, physical skills were rarely the determining factor in athletic success. So now you start to look into this performance coaching, right? What exactly, let's, yeah. let's just start with the definition of that. What is a performance coach? Well, it, it, how it started was I certainly got obsessed with golf swing first. Then I got obsessed with fitness and how the body works. And then as these pieces kept going on, I started saying, hmm, there's still something missing. And so I started uh, really looking into the mental emotional skills, which I think is, is the foundation of now performance, right? Performance has many factors to it. We need technical skills, we need physical skills, and we need mental and emotional skills. And so I had to get that mental emotional uh, those skill sets as part of my repertoire. So I went back to school, got my master's and doctorate in applied sports psychology. I was mentored by Dr. Patrick Cohn, who's a great sports psychologist in Orlando. I was just soaking in as much information as I could. And really what I started to see, and I know you've seen this too, is you get somebody who on the, the range looks like they're a world beater. It looks like they can, they're never going to miss a shot. They, and then they would go play golf. And they'd come back and say, oh, I shot 85. I go, how the heck is that possible? That's a disconnect for me. So as a coach, I was trying to look at why people were shooting the scores they were shooting. And once you got past some basic fundamentals, you started saying, huh, maybe there's some other things that are interfering with performance. Maybe there's, uh, they get distracted easily. Maybe they have doubt. Maybe they have fear. And they don't know how to handle those things and strategies. So performance coaching for me is about putting these factors together uh, certainly, uh, uh, I'll admit a little more bias on the mental game and emotional side of it to help people be at their best when it matters most. And I teach a lot of something called a flow state is can we get into that state where we are completely focused and confident and calm, which Colin was very much so in this final round of the PGA. Or unfortunately, sometimes we get distracted and have doubt and have fear. And if you don't have strategies to get yourself kind of back to neutral, you're, you're going you're gonna to struggle. And so I'm fascinated with that side of it and everybody's different personalities and, and what gets them in and out of uh, a flow state. In hearing you talk, and, and you know, I've looked up some things online, some YouTube videos, one of the things that kind of caught my attention was the difference in performance. And you said there's two types of performance. There's the in the moment and then there's the long journey. All right. Now, as a PGA yeah. professional and a coach, I get, you know, I, I understand the in the moment part, but I also want to talk about the long journey because I think that's that's definitely an aspect of it that caught my attention because not enough people maybe discuss that part. So let's use Colin as a case study, right? You meet Colin when he's eight years old. What's your first impression of him? Uh, first impression was somebody who already had some very good physical talents. He had taken group lessons. He'd played for a few years. His parents were uh, fantastic and supportive, and he just played golf. He played other sports. So somebody who already enjoys it, somebody already has some good physical skills. Great. As we went along, uh, and I do use the word development a lot, is I believe it's my role as a PGA professional to develop players. Not all of them are going to be PGA championship uh, champions. I get that. But we do want to improve in the game, and I, my end goal is for people to enjoy the game more. But in his case, in a lot of other juniors' case, 
is you want to develop them to help them achieve their goals. And early on, he shared with me, I want to play Division One college golf. Great. Now, if he's a 12-year-old and he tells me that, I have to think ahead of developing him when he's 14, 16, 18 to get to that level. I can't just do quick fixes because he's playing in a little junior tournament on Saturday and I just want to put a Band-Aid on something. He, along with his parents, bought in on my idea that we're developing for long-term success and, and not sacrificing that by trying to get a quick fix. So I look at the physical fitness. I look at club fitting. I look at the mental side. I look at what kind of tournaments he should play in, practice, because we're developing talent and um, there's many paths to do that. But I believe as a performance coach, uh, I want to make sure that I'm looking at all those aspects. So I'm looking a year to sometimes three years down the road when he's in college. He wants to play on the PGA Tour. I'm looking now four years ahead when he's in his final um, year at Cal. We're looking now to get him not only on tour, which sponsors exemptions can do that, but to get his card, to be a winner. We now have to think ahead of what's the skill sets we need for that level. Let's start planning for it uh, now. All right, Rick, I've effectively used the Jedi mind trick on you here because you've gone exactly down the rabbit hole I want you to do. I wanted to talk about long <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about long-term goals, right? And you touched yeah. on the beginning of that, but one of the questions I have inside there is that for my coaches and also for my students that are listening and players is right, how do you keep someone on track for 6 years? Or how do you keep someone on track for 10 years? Right? You mentioned how there's these checkpoints and you're going through these little stages of accomplishments, but how do you do that so effectively? Well, I like to say I'm effective with everybody. I'm not. I'll be honest with you. That I think the individual is bringing their own motivation, their own work ethic, their own uh, needs to the table. Um, things change. I've had plenty of talented juniors who are 16 years old who said they want to be on the PGA Tour. They get to college, and guess what? They enjoy fraternity life more, and they stop playing golf. Well, I don't think I should tell them that's good or bad. That's where their life went. Um, so I think it is challenging, but it's not my goal. It's their goal. And so I think checking in with them consistently is very important. Uh, I think making sure it's their goals, it's not their parents' goals, it's not somebody else's goals. And then as a coach, I am seeing what's the work ethic that they're putting out there. And if it does not match, I have to call them out on that. So it's challenging. So I wish I had a 90% a, a, uh, success rate. It, it, you can't control sometimes. Well, you shouldn't control what somebody else does. But I think everybody's uh, different. So I check in a lot. I look at their work ethic um, and just make sure that the goals are still aligned with what they want. One more question then on this topic, right? What's the next goal for someone like Colin? Well, I never answer that for him, but um, I would say that he wants to be the number one player in the world. He's made, I believe he said that in some interviews. Um, now that could be an outcome goal. Him and I will, we, there's, there hasn't really been a true break of season yet. Uh, I know we've started a new season, but it's been crazy this summer. Um, so we'll sit down uh, probably after the Masters in November uh, will be a, a time for us to sit down we, we certainly look at statistics. We look at parts of the game. Um, we look at, did we achieve the goals from the last season, which is a yes. And um, now say, okay, now that we know next year's schedule, what are some things that you want to do? Maybe it's to be on the Olympic team. Maybe it's the Ryder Cup team. Maybe, And there may be some landmarks along the way, but then it ultimately comes down to 
what type of player do we need to be in order to achieve those goals? And maybe we need to improve on wedge work from 50 yards or putting from 10 feet, right? We get pretty nitty gritty on what are the skill sets we need to improve. And then as a performance coach, I'm also looking at big picture stuff of, hey, you know, we, we won three times and we missed three cuts. Um, let's compare and contrast the winning compared to missing cuts. What is there anything mentally, emotionally we need to talk about? Is there travel? I mean, it can get pretty in-depth, <laughs> but I think assessment and being honest with your abilities and uh, is, is very, very important as it relates to improvement. Well, there's one thing I have to assess right now, and that is our sponsors for just a couple of seconds. But there's no doubt we're in the flow state. But hold on for just about a minute or so, Rick. We're going to come right back from a break, and I want to get more into this uh, lifestyle performance coaching. Can you hang on? You got it. All right, folks. Hey, it's 3.17 p.m. here in Princeton. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with more intellectual inspiration from PGA Performance Coach Rick Sessinghouse. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. We are excited to announce that PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, a rehabilitative golf program for military veterans with disabilities, will take place on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. throughout the fall season at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. To support the NJGF or learn more about the PGA Hope program for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Rich in distinguished history for nearly 125 years, Springdale Golf Club and its members have been beautifully making their mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Our impact in the industry does not stop there. Did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey? The private club operating division of Troon Golf Management. Springdale's walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn design course, now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in our commitments to the member experience. Just announced as a significant expansion to the Troon Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments being made at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the Director of Fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. We are having some fun on this Friday. Afternoon, hanging with PGA professional Rick Sessinghouse. My guess is a lesson or two from Rick, and you'll have the freedom to play your best. About to start the back nine, weekend volume. Let's go. Wade, you know what to do. Turn it up. All right, we're off on the 10th hole of today's show. 
You know, Rick, um, I got to ask you, are you enjoying the vibe this afternoon? I love it. I love a little freedom with George Michael. You bet. All right. Well, speaking of vibes, I can tell from before the break that you uh, inspire confidence. And uh, most people view performance coaching as something needed just for athletes. You know, how can performance coaching benefit me, um, let's say, as a radio host or as a PGA professional for my membership? I mean, how, how can it improve my life? Sure. So when I look at performance, I talk about the state somebody's in, their performance state. So, I mean, this would be kind of obvious, but if I'm going to go hit a driver and I'm in a frustrated state because I just three-putted the last hole and I want to you know, throw my putter into the lake and I'm frustrated and angry going into that next tee shot, that will affect my mechanics and it will affect that. Or and maybe I just married birdie on the last hole and I'm feeling good and I got a spring in my step. You know, that driver swing is going to be different. So the state you're in is going to affect your behavior. So when you're doing a great job as an interviewer and you've got this radio show, you bring energy to it. If you would have been down in the dumps and slow when your tone was like this, your attitude is going to affect your behavior. Your behavior is going to affect your performance. And so it's being very clear on what is the performance that you're going for and what state needs to be part of that. So if I work with executives, you know, leadership is an important role. They have to communicate. They have to be in a in a state that is about leadership. Um, And so when I look at performance, I look at these elements of focus and certainly confidence, how you come to the table is going to be very important. How people interpret and see you, Um, but it's going to definitely affect behavior. Ultimately performance is about what you do and the actions, but I believe there's a mindset before that that sets the stage. So you talk about these elements of focus, and another thing you called them, that, that there's crucial performance factors, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I get from reading that online, I get the idea that there are a couple fundamental things. I know you talk a lot about how Colin's fundamentals are so sound, and that what's, that's what leads to him being such a good championship golfer. But are there fundamentals in life that I can practice or that my listeners can practice that are kind of these crucial performance factors? No question. The number one is focus. What you pay attention to is where your energy goes. And this is a, and again, I'm not casting judgment on anybody, but if somebody chooses in the morning to flip on a news station and the news station is nothing about bad stuff and about it disagrees with their political viewpoint, you've already set the tone that you're now focusing on this is going to set the tone for the rest of the day. But if you wake up and you choose to focus on doing some light stretching and doing some mindfulness meditation and hugging your wife. And so what you focus on is going to expand. And so I just ask everybody, what are you paying attention to? That would be number one, focus. Okay. Next thing is uh, goals in a way that also keeps you focused. So what do I want to accomplish today? Most people are living in a reactive world. Uh, they're not going to move until they get an email or a text from somebody else to tell them what they should be doing. And I'm saying be more intentional that, hey, my block from 8 to 9.30, I'm going to work on this proposal. I'm going to do this. And I'm, now you're, you are being in control of your environment. So setting an intention through goals is going to be very, very important. Um, and then something that's kind of overlooked is recovery in our day and age. Uh, is, uh, people are stressed. Uh, I mean, obviously, COVID has pushed us to the brink uh, mentally with a lot of things. Is Are you taking your care of yourself mentally and physically? Are you getting sleep? Are you taking care of yourself 
So you do have the energy to go at it the next day and such. So those would be just kind of three of many things that contribute to our life and to our performance, but also our fulfillment and our happiness. I love that saying, be more intentional. You know, I always like to try to put the pro and proactive, and I say that to my staff all the time. And yes. and that be more intentional kind of sums that up in, in, in a very eloquent way. I like that. And, folks, if you're just joining us, we have a treat today. We have Rick Sessinghouse. Rick is a PGA professional. He's also an author. And his book, Golf, The Ultimate Mind Game, is certainly something that you want to pick up and try because golf's hard, and it's one of those challenging things. And, you know, one of the questions, I want you to kind of assess your summer. You know, I, I love to look at the big picture when I do this show. And one of the things is looking back on the summer of 2020, what makes you most proud? Well, um, how, you know, most proud. I mean, the, the instant thing, of course, would be Colin winning. Okay, that's great. I think I am proud, uh, honestly, of, of the PGA Tour, PGA of America, USGA, for taking a chance and uh, getting golf back playing. Uh, there were some very difficult situations and challenges to get professional golf back out there. And having traveled most of those events and taking the COVID tests and being in a bubble and all that stuff, you know, I'm very proud of the organizations that made that happen. Uh, because it was not easy by any means. Um, so that would be one thing, especially in this day and age. I think people really enjoyed watching golf on TV. Um, there were some fantastic finishes. Obviously, Colin was a few of those. Um, and then the other thing I, I, am, I am so proud of is how Colin has handled uh, himself through all of this. Uh, I think he's a great ambassador for the game. Uh, he... Uh, he just, you know, he loves it. He's, he's got that big smile on his face and stuff like that. So I'm very proud of how he's handled uh, the success. Well, in a year like 2020, Colin is so infectious. You know, and and I mean that in the most positive way. He's just amazing the way that he draws everybody in, and the way he strikes the golf ball seems somewhat, you know, of this world rather than some of these other, you know, men that you know hit it off the planet from time to time. So kudos to you for what you guys have built there. Now, before we run out of here today, we have to do something fun. That's a tradition here on Springdale Golf Live. You know, my my listeners love to get to know my guests just a little bit more on a personal level. So, are you up for a little rapid fire Q and A, Rick? You got it. Let's go. All right. We're going to test your performance ability here right now. Okay. <laughs> Most inspiring book you have read recently? Uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. All right. Write that down, folks. What is the fastest speed you have ever driven in a car? 110. If you could go to one concert all time, which one would you go to? Oh, don't do this to me. Well, I mean, you played. I went to see Guns N' Roses. A couple of years ago, that was awesome. And I saw George Michael on his final tour. So, ah, you're killing me. Well, let's go Guns N' Roses. Most interesting place you have ever traveled to? Um, well, it's actually in Hawaii. It's a golf course called Ko'olau, and it has four climate regions within the actual golf course. Wow. All right. When you hear the word champion, who is the first person that comes to mind? Colin Morkawa. Name a guilty pleasure you have. <laughs> uh, uh, cookie dough. Ooh, I, man, I love cookie dough. All right. Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? 
Jimmy Kimmel. If you could win one Olympic medal, what event would you choose? Uh, I'd like I, uh, individual gymnastics. Name a person, not in your family, who you would love to have lunch with. Um, Tiger Woods. Describe your summer in one word. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what? Having you with me today, Rick Sessinghouse, has been pretty awesome itself. So if someone asked me for one word tonight to describe today's interview, I would steal that word. Now, before I let you go, one quick thing. How can my listeners keep in touch with you? Website, social media, hit me with what you got. Sure. So website is my full name, ricksessinghouse.com. Every now and then I'm on social media, Instagram and Facebook. It's just my name, Rick Sessinghouse. Um, And so, yeah, if anybody has any questions, um, I do a lot of my coaching now via Zoom for my performance coaching uh, when I'm not traveling with Colin. And I'm here in the Los Angeles area and I do some some on-course lessons also. So uh, if you guys have questions, please reach out. Rick, I really appreciate you being with us this afternoon. All the best. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. All right, here we go. Before we send you over to Max Kellerman here on ESPN 920, let's thank those sponsors. We have TaylorMade Golf, the New Jersey Golf Foundation, Beedratty, Fairway and Green, Zero Restriction EP New York, those brands, you know them as Summit Golf Brands, F.H. Wadsworth, Wade Weezer, excellent job DJing today and producing the show, Springdale Board of Governors, appreciate everything you do to support me, Troon Golf Management, everything you do at the club. Most importantly, I love my listeners. Folks, I'm heading to Springdale, but where are you headed? We'll let the tower be your guide. And from Princeton to the Pacific Coast, and of course everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale Day. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Return to the tee next Friday at 3 with Keith Stewart and Springdale Golf Live.